0: Hey everyone, Ron Guerin here. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Orbital Perspective podcast. What started out as a discussion around sheltering in place almost a year ago has turned into a discussion platform centered around making our world and our future better for everyone. Let's keep that discussion going. I also wanted to let you know that my next book, Floating in Darkness, A Journey of Evolution, launches on May 4th of this year. It's the sequel to my first book, The Orbital Perspective, and goes much deeper into solving the challenges that our world faces and how we can come together as one to create solutions. It's part autobiography, part action movie, part love story, with a message of unity that I would like to share with the world. For my loyal podcast listeners, I'm offering a 25% discount off the retail price. To get the savings, simply go to floatingindarkness.com forward slash order and enter the code PODCAST to save 25%. It's good for the next 48 hours, and it's my way of saying thanks for joining me on this incredible journey towards a better future. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Orbital Perspective Podcast, where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis, but these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective— And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. Hey everyone, welcome to season two of the Orbital Perspective podcast. Um, I'm happy that you're all here. I uh, hope everybody had a wonderful holiday. I hope everybody's 2021 is, uh, is off to a great start. Um, I'm really excited about the upcoming guests that we have uh, in store for you over the next few weeks. We have just some spectacular uh, folks that I think are gonna provide a very unique uh, perspective and a unique insight uh, to the situation in the world right now and what we're dealing with and the challenges that we face and the opportunities that they present. Um, it's not just its not just challenges to overcome, but there are opportunities uh, out there. Uh, and I'm particularly excited about my guest today, Dr. Tony Kern. Uh, this is going to be a really, um, I think, fruitful conversation. Tony has a wealth of, of, of experience and knowledge, and I'll, I'll introduce him in a second uh, more formally. Uh, but we are going to get into a conversation about uh, not only how we can navigate the current crisis known as COVID-19 uh, and all the other stuff, all the, all the subsidiary crises that are associated with it uh, and all the things that it's amplifying, like political divides and divisiveness and, and uh, all the other uh, factors that are affecting us, but also how we can thrive through it, not only navigate, but thrive through it. And not only navigate and thrive through the current crises, but what Tony likes to call the storm after the storm, the aftershocks of these crises. And some of these aftershocks have have already begun. Uh, And so uh, one of the main ways that we're gonna get through that and be able to thrive through it and survive through it is to prepare for it. And uh, that's what this conversation's uh, gonna be about today is how do we prepare uh, for what's what's coming at us. And so with that, let me introduce Dr. Tony Kern. Dr. Tony Kern is one of the world's leading authorities on human performance and has researched, written, and lectured on the subject around the globe for over two decades. Dr. Kern has authored eight books on human performance, including the award-winning Plane of Excellence trilogy. In addition. Dr. Kern is a world-class communicator and has testified in front of Congress and has shared his expertise in interviews on Fox Business Network, Bloomberg TV, the Discovery Channel, National Public Radio, NBC Nightly News, and 48 Hours with Dan Rather, among others. Tony has deep operational roots in the U.S. Air Force as a command pilot and flood examiner in the B-1B bomber as well as diverse senior staff and leadership experience, including service as the chairman of the U.S. Air Force Human Factor Steering Group. Upon retirement from the Air Force in 2000, Dr. Kern served as the National Aviation Director for the U.S. Forest Service, where he directed the largest non-military government aviation program in the world in support of federal wildland fire suppression and natural resource protection. Dr. Kern has dedicated his adult life to helping individuals and organizations reduce error, mitigate losses, and optimize their performance in the most challenging environments. Hey, Tony. Hey, Ron. How are you doing? I'm <laughs> doing good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing excellent. Probably better than you. It's 75 and sunny down here in Southern Texas. And Here you guys got hammered with a snowstorm.
0: Yeah, I had a late start this morning digging it, digging out, (laughs) digging out some snow here in uh, Boulder, Colorado. So, and you're coming from the the hill country uh, of Texas.
1: Yeah, just west of San Antonio, about forty five minutes.
0: Yeah, well, it's good to see you. For folks who don't know, Tony and I met because we worked together uh, at Worldview uh, down in Tucson, and I hired Tony to to run a whole bunch of stuff for us, including our safety program, our training program, uh, and I was really uh, incredibly thrilled that we were able to recruit uh, Tony, to to our operations there because we were doing something that had never uh, never been done before, um, and so it, it was great to to work with you, Tony, uh, during that period of time, and uh, appreciate you being on uh, the podcast and sharing your insights.
1: Yeah, no, my pleasure. And uh, in a way, I kind of miss those days. I learned a whole lot. We had a heck of a team there, and uh, and it seemed like every day you'd come in and you'd go home a little bit smarter. Right?
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was definitely a learning experience for sure. I see a whole bunch of people joining in from all over the place, and as it said in the intro to this, this is not just a conversation between Tony and I, it's a conversation amongst all of us. So jump in the comments, uh, whether you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, uh, let us know uh, your, if you have any questions, if you want to join in the conversation. Uh, I think, that, like I said, this is going to be really, really fruitful. So, Tony, why don't we just jump right into it? What do you mean by the storm after the storm? And what what are these aftershocks that you're talking about?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I think you you covered a lot of it right in your uh, your intro that, you know, the world, is, the world is changing in front of our eyes. <clears throat> and it's really easy to get caught up in the moment, right? And it's also very easy to look backwards a little bit. What, what could I have done? Should I have done? What should I do in the near future? All those types of things, and um, you know, part of uh, my my background is uh, I'm a historian. Uh, actually, was the director of military history at the Air Force Academy for five years. And every historian uh, views himself a little bit as a futurist, and and looking at the future, it's pretty clear you don't have to be either historian or or trained in any any academic uh, regimen to recognize that there are seismic shifts. Going on uh, on a planetary level, and and we ought to be looking downstream and, and getting ready to deal with those come what May. We're not sure what these outcomes are going to be. We're not sure about a lot of things, but there are a few things we can be pretty certain of. Um, you know what we're what we're experiencing now is not a healthcare crisis any longer. It is a um, it's a personal crisis for many of us. I've lost uh, friends and and relatives. During this uh, this COVID crisis, Um, but it's also a uh, an epidemic of human suffering with societal implications that I think are decades potentially long and cross generational.
0: Yeah, I know that you know there's a lot of uh, markers that are on the rise: Um, domestic violence, suicides, um, mental health, you know, other mental health issues, Um, and so. You know, I, we we have both had training. You've had a lot more training than I have, but uh, in in survival techniques and and, and uh, being in really tough environments uh, and being able to um, first of all survive and then and then um, you know use those use those to be, to benefit yourself. You know, we talked about uh, you know th- those survival trainings that I've been through, and I and I know you you probably have the same thing. Is those are some of the most physically uncomfortable. <laughs> experiences of my life and uh, but the learning that came from those and the, and the tools that I walked away from those experiences with uh, have served me my entire life and I think we are all in an, in a situation in an environment right now where we are presented with tools on a day-to-day basis that we will be able to carry forward and so can you can you speak to that a little
1: bit sure so first I want to take issue with something you said that I have a lot more training than you do I Knuckled, I'm a knuckle dragging Air Force bomber pilot, 20 years ago, and uh, and you're a NASA astronaut with multiple flights to space, and uh, and so I guess that your training is probably advanced than mine. But we do share that common ground of survival school, and I, you know, the one, the one lesson that um, that I think is most important, um, looking back, right, because once you're inside it uh, we'll, we'll get to that, what it's like to be inside that type of crucible. But, but looking back, it was, it's a real moment of authentic self-esteem when you finish that, right? Hey, I just went through some crazy stuff and I came out the other side. My pride's intact. My body is relatively intact. Uh, I'm ready for a pizza and a beer, but, uh, but for the most part, you come out there with something that's becoming more and more rare in the world today. And that is the authentic self-esteem of having been through something extremely difficult, Learned some key lessons. Now they were spoon fed to us, right? Um, from really highly qualified instructors um, and come out the other end of it, a different person. Um, you know, they're, they're, I kind of divide my life in, into two halves before survival training, specifically the resistance portion of it. I don't know if you ever got to go through that. And, and afterwards, because I came out understanding that I, I can live through some very, very tough conditions. And that was just training. Now, imagine the people that have actually been, you know, held the POWs and tortured and all of those types of things that come back and say that training was what got me through. So, you know, my, my whole kind of angle here, Ron, if I have one in this discussion, is that, you know, what, what we need to do now, I think, is – is something similar to that, but for everybody, and I mean everybody.
0: They psychological survival training,
1: psychological survival training, uh, self-rescue. Because I promise you, there's not enough trained psychologists, counselors, and hotlines in the world to handle what's coming at us. Yeah. So,
0: so I speak uh, almost on every episode and, and every every chance I get about how society is at a fork. Right now we can we we're at an inflection point right we can go down one path uh which is the path that we're on uh which leads to increasing divisiveness uh uh, increasing polarization um increase you know increasing extraction of natural resources uh which will all lead to destruction or we could go down a a different path that's on a micro view i'm in a macro view on a micro view i think every single person is is right now facing their own personal fork in the road where we have a choice to go down one path or another and you know we've been at this for you know a year now uh with with COVID-19 uh you you've written on this extensively you've talked about how you know the economic impact you know all of these small businesses around around the world and particularly in the country uh that are failed you know previously successful folks that have worked their whole lives and and built a a business and then through no fault of their own uh that business is lost uh because of the uh, circumstances that they have no control over and so you know there's going to be a lot of implications and ramifications uh and aftershocks uh you know even when we're beyond COVID-19 even when we get uh, beyond the the, uh, uh, the, the pandemic that are going to last. so maybe can you can you speak about that and, and what should we, we be doing right now to, to prepare for, for for that sort of thing?
1: so so let me pull on what one thread you said there first and that is you know what makes us think this is going to last beyond a vaccine or what makes us think that once all the businesses are back open we can't rapidly generate in some sort of what are they what are the economists call it, v-shaped recovery curve and all of that? It's, it's this, and is and almost as current as today's news. I just read a, a, an article um, out of um, Louisiana uh, that was posted that a bunch of Tulane researchers have just um, reviewed some research they participated in that was published in November, but there was a lot of other things going on in November. So it didn't really catch anybody's eye. But, but listen to the statistic. They, they analyzed 62,374 people who had been diagnosed and treated for COVID-19, and then they followed up. 20% of them have now been diagnosed, diagnosed and treated for mental illness. Okay? Now, I want to freeze frame right there for a second. One in five people out of this study have been treated. Now, a lot of it is anxiety and depression, which we might – Think is okay, but when it gets to the level of I need treatment for it, that's significant in of itself. But it's greater than that, right? It's greater than that. It's it's chronic insomnia and um, and and uh, what, what was the other one? Oh, even um, attention management issues where people are forgetting everything, uh, basically near term dementia, almost is what they're what they're saying. This is in the Lancet, so this isn't some little podunk research. So let's let's just go down that road a little bit. Let's let's take a hypothetical example of someone who, for one reason or another, not of their own making, ends up financially destroyed. Their family members, um, maybe they they begin to um, seek solace in, in alcohol or or substances, and and maybe they get to the end of their their rope, and they and they reach out and they begin to slap around their their spouse or their children or family members. Domestic abuse has gone up significantly across the board. There's a whole bunch of different studies going on, but the data is still trickling in. But there's no question, no question whatsoever that this is happening. What do we know about domestic abusers? We know that as children, they were probably abused themselves. So when I say cross-generational and decades in the making, we're creating a ripple effect here that if we don't help people self-rescue, and avoid these, these pitfalls. When you talk about forks in the road, it's not a fork. It's fork after fork after fork, or maybe a, uh, one of those intersections with five roads, right? Which one do I take? All with different paths. And so, so I believe that what we need is to give people some fundamental understanding of how to make these decisions about their, their lives and, and their reactions to things that are going on. Much easier said than done. But that's the kind of challenge I think we're facing, Ron.
0: So uh, I'm going to make another pitch to everybody. I see you all out there. <laughs> so I don't, but I don't see any comments. So either the comment thing is broken, or you guys are uh, being kind of shy. But uh, j- jump into this conversation because this is a really important conversation. We want you to be a part of it. And Tony, I, I heard you talk about this this coming tidal wave of PTSD, of post traumatic stress disorder, and you you've also talked about. Pre-traumatic stress disorder, and so, basically, um, what type of preparation can we be doing right now? To you know, or, or, you know, we talked about the fork in the road, or the or the five road fork in the road here. What should we be doing right now to make sure that we are going down the right path and that we aren't, you know, rippling out into multi-generational issues uh, because of the power of the of the choices and decisions we make right now?
1: Yeah. So, so let me define a couple of terms, right? I think everybody is pretty familiar with post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one on TV. Um, but I but I do have a, a 30, 40-year passion to look into human performance from all angles. So I feel somewhat qualified with a small cue to, to discuss this. Pre-traumatic stress disorder, as defined by no one other than me probably, is this general feeling of angst, right? This feeling that I know, you know, it, it's kind of like when you're you're up there in the mountains boulder. You know when, when you're in Avalanche country, and you just get that feeling, right? That hey, at any moment that, that thundering wall of snow could come down the mountain. That that's pre-traumatic stress disorder, as I as I kind of define it in my lexicon. And and so what can we do about that? Well, we can we can do several things. I think. You know, I've, I've sort of mapped out a, um, uh, a strategy, personal strategy initially um, for, for how I look at it and, and how I think we might all consider looking at it. And the first thing that we have to do is accept the reality that we're in this world, right? Isn't it crazy that if, you t- if we went back 48 months, 24 months, uh, and, and we looked at it and somebody were to project all of what's going on in the world we would have laughed. We would have laughed at them. We would have called them all kinds of things. Dumb. If you would
0: have submitted that as a script to a comedy show <laughs> or yeah, any but, show, people would have thrown they would have thrown you out of the office. They would have thought that was too bizarre.
1: And yet here we are, right? And and much to your point in in the intro to your show, where you say things are changing. They're they're changing so rapidly in, in such directions that that we need to be like that that snowshoe or cross country skier that's that's looking up, saying, "Man, I don't like the looks of this," right? I don't like the way this feels. At that moment in time, most most people, and I, I used to uh, to do a little backcountry hiking in the mountains as well. Most people start thinking about what. I'll throw that question back to you. If you're out in that thing in that environment, Ron, and you you suddenly see that you may be at risk, what are you thinking about?
0: Uh, how do, how I can avoid that risk? I mean, or or backing myself out of the situation.
1: Yeah, you you begin to study options, right? You begin to study options all the way from. Um if the worst case scenario happens, what would I do? What would I do if I got buried under this avalanche? I've read about people digging out. I've done this. I've done that, right? So as we, as we kind of look at what might or might not be coming at us, I think that's the step we have to take. The very first step is accept the reality that <clears throat> we're in crazy time, something that maybe none of our experiences have really prepared us for, right? The second thing is to take stock of the situation. And and by that, that's kind of back to our our old survival training. What do I have? What do I need? And what can I do right now to start fixing the difference, right? So margins, right? Financial margins, health margins, um, emotional coping strategies and mechanisms, those are all things that we can be doing right now to prepare for what may never happen but even if it never happens, we come out the other side better anyway for having been through this. So those, mm-hmm. those are some of the things I can go a little bit deeper in that. I, I've seen a couple of comments pop up. Yeah, and- let me,
0: let's me let pop one up and thank, thanks John because you were the first one to comment. And I was just, I, I was really starting to think that there was something wrong with the comment <laughs> that we weren't getting commensated. But uh, uh, John says, uh, Tony, you, uh, can you expand on the do nothing option you wrote about recently? Does that play into the conversation?
1: So, John, thanks for the question. And, and I think it does. It plays downstream a little bit when we get to talking a little bit more about the polarization that's, that's going on in the world. And, you know, pick any topic. Uh, and, you know, we haven't been too controversial here. And so maybe people are going to sleep. I'll get that way for a second. Uh, pick a side on masks or vaccines or any one of the pre existing uh, issues like immigration or abortion or anything, right? Pick a side, have a discussion, and you can't anymore. You can't have a discussion anymore. You're forced to 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 pick a side and and join that army of polarized I don't know what. Each each side calls them different things, but very energetic, passionate, but maybe not completely well-informed people, right? Why do I say not completely well-informed? Not to say one side's smarter than the other. I'm just saying that information and disinformation are very hard to distinguish right now, what's what's true and what's not. And we're our, our access to reliable information is diminishing, and the sophistication of unreliable information is proliferating, right? So at this point in time, I, I don't consider myself a very smart guy, but I'm pretty damn curious about things. And at this point in time, I personally choose intentionally choose not to take a side on any of these rapidly polarizing positions. Not that I don't have opinions on them or values that that play into all of these discussions. It's just that it's too chaotic. And no matter how much I think about it, I don't have enough reliable information for Tony to to make a call on these things. That's part one. So, so the do-nothing option is right now I'm intentionally doing nothing about many of these things that seem to be inflaming and impassioning great swaths of, of societies uh, around the world. The, the do-nothing option is a temporary option, right? There, hopefully, we all hope that there will come a day when, when clarity becomes um, easier to come by. And, and at those point times, I, I, I'm not telling anybody how to think. I'm just saying right now, I think the most important thing that we can do is maintain some sort of bridge, some sort of middle ground, some sort of unity focus around which we don't have to talk about everything we don't agree on, right? We can talk about some things we do agree on, right? like making sure that we survive this and that our friends do and that, that people aren't adversely impacted by things that that with a little bit of preparation they may have avoided or at least mitigated the the consequences and the outcomes in their personal lives. Um, so that's kind of what I mean about the right now the do nothing option is maybe we just take a deep breath and sit and watch for a little bit as we ourselves prepare for whatever the future may come. So, so, hopefully- so
0: Tony, let me let me um let me share with you my interpretation of what you just said to make sure that I understood what you said correctly. Um, Pertaining to the do nothing option. What I, and maybe this maybe this is wishful thinking on my part, what, what I heard or interpreted was that you're saying you're not gonna engage in these polarized debates. You're not gonna get on Facebook and start, you know, picking a position and, the, and then just attacking the counter position, uh, but to, to, to drive this home, maybe to use the example of a mask, you know, the do nothing option doesn't mean you don't wear a mask right, when you're in a, in a crowded place. That doesn't mean that, right? What what? It, so, so you've made a decision that, uh, based on the information that you have, that it makes more sense for my own safety and for everybody else's safety for me to wear a mask when I'm in a, a place where I'm in contact with people.
1: Right? Yeah, I, I know you're not trying to pull me into this polarized debate, right? But yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I use common sense, and, and with the best information I have, um, you know, the crazy thing about the mask to me right now is that every week it's this mask works, this doesn't mask work, this mask doesn't work. The one that I have that works the best, the airlines won't let me wear. Uh, you know, all of these things are crazy. So I try to keep pacing that. But, but, yeah, we all have a social responsibility to make sure that we're taking care of of each other and also, you know, ourselves. I mean, the first step in any survival training is survive, right? And so right. We, we know that. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's that's not one example where, where do nothing means um, I'm, I'm picking a not wearing a mask side of an equation. Um, and it's one where the the information that's coming at us from reliable sources is changing for legitimate reasons, right? We know that as the studies come in that say this will filtrate this particle and this will do that particle. and And, and man, there's a lot of money and energy going into that. Now, the smarter we get, the better choices we can make. So that one doesn't quite play into this disinformation campaign quite as much as some of the other areas.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, we have a great question from uh, Juniper, which we'll get to in a second, uh, about uh, children in this. But I, I do want to pull on this thread a little bit more because I think there's a, there's a lot there. Um, and just you know, one thing that I would throw out, when we're faced with decisions like should I wear a mask or not wear a mask, one of the things I do is I ask myself, which would, in, in the decision, which decision, if I'm wrong, would have greater implications, right? And so if wearing a mask has no effect, and I don't, and I'm not really preventing myself or anybody else from getting sick, then what's, and I wear a mask, what's the downside? Well, the downside, I, I wear a mask. What's, I mean, I'm in Boulder in the winter. My face is a little warmer <laughs> than it would be otherwise. Um, maybe it's a little uncomfortable. You know, there's a little bit of downside. What if I go the other way and I say I don't think that masks work, so I'm not gonna wear one and I'm wrong. And I get sick or I get somebody sick and they die. I mean so the implications so so a lot of these choices um, that you're faced with, you know, I think it's very helpful to uh, look at what is the implications of being wrong, uh, and which yeah. which <laughs> which path would be worse. What what
1: fascinates me there, Ron, is you know, what you just discussed is what you and I have been trained in from the day we strapped on an airplane. And that is basic risk management, yeah. right? Um, I, we could go down a 100 of those war stories and maybe it'd be entertaining for us, but probably not for all your audience. But um, the, the point that, that you just made was a, a very simplified form of risk management, which is something that would need to go into any psychological survival training, right? What is the worst case scenario here? And what can I do to to influence that? If I make choice A, am I protecting myself against something that may or may not exist? But the key word there is may or may not exist, which is am I going to come in contact with a molecule of that virus or, or whatever? If I choose choice B, it's I don't care if there's one of those things running around in the air out there, I'm protected against it, right? So it's a similar type of thinking against just about everything we face, where we get into it, I don't want to get too deep into a mask discussion because this isn't a mask podcast. But there are a lot of people out there making political statements and not risk management statements.
0: Right. So right. That's
1: that's the kind. That's what polarization does. Right. It takes logic out of the equation, and it puts emotion in its place. There's a place, time, and place for emotional decision making. Masks are not it.
0: Well, I want to talk about polarization right now because you know you the the, fir- the first step in a survival situation when you're plopped into a survival situation and you write about this extensively is to acknowledge the reality of the situation right and if you can't get out of it you have to get into it to quote to quote your words right and so part of the problem right now is you know realizing the extent of the reality of the situation is clouded because there is so much disinformation, so much polarization, so much politicalization, politicalization, you know, even something as simple as putting a piece of cloth over your mouth and nose to stop, you know, the spread of, of, of bacteria and viruses, you know, something that simple has been so polarized and so politicized that it's hard to discern the truth. And so, um, I, I know you have some views on that. And so maybe we could, maybe we could go on that a little bit before we get the Juniper's question.
1: Yeah. Um, so back to those first steps and, and this idea of, if you can't get out of it, you gotta get into it. Um, first of all, those, those are words I'm quoting from my very first survival instructor, which was at an outward bound wilderness survival course when I was a teenager. And, uh, and what we were doing is we were getting ready to rappel down a cliff, right? I don't know if you have you ever done a repelling run. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm naturally afraid of heights, which is an odd thing for pilots to tell you. I don't mind being in control of something. Yeah. there's a difference between height and
0: altitude. I'm 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 uncomfortable around height too. I'm not yeah. uncomfortable with altitude.
1: And and so this idea of not looking down because you're going down backwards, holding onto some technologies I didn't really understand with brakes and all these other things, I was terrified. And we got to the edge of this, and I was the fourth person to go down the cliff. And it was, it's not a cliff, it was like 25 or 30 feet, but it still would have hurt like heck to, to land. And I, and I froze, man. And the guy, guy said, just keep backing over, back over, back over. And all of a sudden, my weight was on the rope. And that's when he told me, he says, if you can't get out of it, you got to get into it. You better figure out how to do this because there's no coming back up, right? You're, you're going down. Learn how to do that, right? We've given you the training, and <laughs> it took me like ten minutes to get down that thirty-foot cliff because I'd go an inch, and then another inch, another inch. Back to the survival training thing: when you, when you realize that that something bad is coming your way, right, and you accept the fact that we may not know what it is, right? It could be, it could be, it could be weather. It could be heat. I could run out of water. I could punch a hole in my canteen. Uh, my compass, I don't have a compass, I don't have a map, what do I do, right? You've got to get into that situation in the moment, right? In the moment. I am not going to, I, I like to say, worry once, right? Worry one time about it. Oh my gosh, this could all end badly. I could break my leg and be eaten to death by, by coyotes out here. And what a horrible way to die. Okay, I'm done with that, right? Worry one time, project a worst case scenario, process it in your head, and that's it. I am not going to live in the past. I'm not gonna worry about how I got here. I'm gonna focus all my attention on what I have and, and what I need to do to move forward through this situation. Always with this end in mind that I will come out the other end of this, right? That, that's, the, that's the essence of that first step of risk decision-making. Coming to grips with the reality of the situation, bringing yourself into the moment, and then beginning to move forward into a future orientation through some really basic steps, you know, planning to action. And when I say planning, it's people say, well, how can I plan for something I don't know? What's going to happen? When I talk about planning, I mean, how am I going to get through the next 15 minutes? What am I going to do for the next hour? And once your head starts to work that way, once you begin to say, well, I've got enough water to get through six hours, right? So, what do I have to do in the next six hours? I need to find more water, right? Some of my priorities begin to become clear. And it's almost like climbing a hill. Each each step up that hill, your horizon gets a little bit clearer. You see more, yeah. you become more informed. And so that's that's kind of what we're talking about here: is this reorientation from Fear and and angst about the situation we find ourselves in, worrying about what are what's going to happen to my family, what's going to happen to my house, what's going to happen to all those things. Worry one time, get it out of the way, and focus on the present, because we know from tons of research that it takes a lot to get through tough survival conditions, and and those that have been through them. Uh, I get I got a book here. I wasn't going to recommend any books, but since it's sitting right here, this is an old one. You can see how many tabs I have on it. It's by a guy named Lawrence Gonzalez. Uh, Some of you may have read it, it's called Deep Survival. Who lives, who dies and why? And and as you read through those stories, the one thing you continue to see is people who took stock went from from being in a really, really bad situation to reorienting their mind into a future and then taking that short-term plan into short-term action, which then reveals more information to take that next small step forward. So that's that's kind of the background on that.
0: Yeah, and and you know, in survival training and certainly certainly survival situations there are a case study after case study of folks not surviving or not passing a survival course be, because they had the mindset that somebody was going to rescue them, right? Yeah. And, and we and we're in this right now. There's a lot of people that are just saying, well, the government's going to swoop in and we're going to have stimulus checks and we or we're going to, you know, we're not going to have to pay our rent ever, or you know, there's there's all of these um, th- these these tendencies. I think to to be to want to be rescued, uh, and and maybe those things will happen. That's great, but but I know that you're a proponent of not relying on that, and that you have to you have to be in self survival mode.
1: Yeah, that that I so so my my first graduate degrees in political science and public administration, and uh, I, I promise you the textbooks of the eighties we're not prepared to help me analyze what's going on policy-wise today. I'm not sure there are policy solutions for the scope and magnitude of what we're facing. I hope that there are some geniuses up there that can figure all that out. But I but I also know that, that if that doesn't occur, and in Tony's humble opinion, it probably won't occur for enough people to save us all, right? Then we have one choice, and that choice is, self rescue right and and then peer rescue right I mean it, it, this this will this will be like crystals right you'll, you'll get somebody who understands the gift of of planning and action and, and and situational and self-awareness in the moment and somebody will look at them and say how are you getting through this why aren't you crying like I am and they'll say let me tell you and it will grow yeah. and so I know that that what we're talking about here is is something that's very Time compressed. So, I mean, we need to, we need to have been doing this long ago. And by the way, it doesn't just this this sort of skill set doesn't just apply to global pandemics. We all hit times in our lives when something devastating happens to us. You know, maybe a medical diagnosis or the loss of a loved one or or something else. And these same skill sets will help us through those moments. But I think, yeah, the 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 point I'm trying to make is if you assume no one's coming to rescue you. You're you're in a much better frame of mind, even from just a time standpoint. If you're waiting, that's that's wasted time unless you're preparing for that. Then you hope for not to occur at the same time. Yeah. I'm not saying you give up hope. I oh, hope yeah. I hope there's a a big thing. Yeah. I hope every vaccine works. I hope that that this virus burns itself out, and somehow all of these entrepreneurs that have lost their businesses find somewhere in their hearts and guts to jump back into it uh i just think that hope is not a good enough strategy to approach what we've got going on
0: yeah and i think if you take away one thing from this from this podcast this episode it's that we all need to be practicing self-rescue so that we can practice pure rescue right i think that and through, through all the techniques that tony's talking about um and i i was hoping that we would get this topic to a conclusion before we uh, jumped off, but we've got so much more to talk about there. And I do want to talk about that, but I also want to address this this question from uh, uh, Juniper. Um, it's basically, do you think that children are somewhat better at coping with the pandemic than adults depending on their home environment?
1: Yeah, so you've asked the question exactly right, Juniper, you've asked it exactly right. I think children are naturally more resilient in a hundred different ways, right? They don't have the 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 big historical picture. They don't have as much. Um, they they don't have to parent, although some children I understand do parent. Uh, but but they're they're naturally more resilient. First of all, they're they're probably. We know this, right? That they're they're less likely to become severely ill. However. When you say depending on your home environment, I think that is that is the real kicker here. While I think children are in naturally a better place because you can go. I my kids are all adults now, and I have grandchildren. But man, I could I could throw a dirt ball, uh, a soccer ball out in a pile of dirt, and those guys would be playing all day. They'd come in all muddy, and they'd be happy no matter what, right? So they're they're easily um, mentally agile to get away from the angst and worry that tends to, to infect adults like, like us, right? However, if they are in a home environment where they begin to fear for their own safety, right? And for the safety of their family, and that becomes deep seated and they, and they, God forbid, witness um, parents declining into substance abuse or, or domestic violence or anything like that, we know we know that that tends to manifest itself throughout that child's life. And so from an impact standpoint, you have a much greater impact on that child just because they're gonna live for longer. And, and there's also significant research to suggest that they may carry that with them in, into their own families as they grow into adults. So I think in the short term, naturally more resilient, we have to protect them from those really, really long-term um destructive things that can occur around them
0: yeah and I think I, I a key point that I picked out of what you just said is that we shouldn't we shouldn't let their short-term success at dealing with this or that crisis to uh, to, to uh, do, you know to falsely uh, make us think that that there is not effect on them that that there's not a long-term uh, there's not long-term uh, damage being created to, to their psyche and to and to their development
1: There's another side of this and the other side of it is 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 just as powerful and that is watching a parent or or an older brother or older sister or younger brother or younger sister or anybody else or or spouse watching somebody navigate their way through a crisis successfully, keeping their wits about them, keeping their sense of humor, keeping their hope is a just as powerful, in the future development of that child, is anything negative that could happen? You're 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 showing them that adversity doesn't always win, right? That adversity, there, there's nothing as self-empowering. I'm I'm quoting uh, paraphrasing a guy named uh, Mahay a, a University of Chicago uh, researcher who wrote a fantastic book called Flow. Uh, if there's two books you read about this, um, deep survival and flow. Uh, he he said there's nothing as self-affirming as working one's way through a crisis and looking back on the personal growth you've made. Now that's great for self-affirming, but if you took that to Juniper's question, there's nothing I think that is as good a role modeling and mentoring for a child than watching a parent or brother or sister do that because you look and you go, Holy smoke, superhero. I want to be like them. I'm going to learn those skills as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's an excellent point. Um, so let's let's go back to the to the uh, tools for survival. Um, because th- going back to what you said before, you know, obviously the first thing is you have to realize the reality of the situation that you're in, so that you can make uh, good decisions. And then you need to survive for the next, you know, ten minutes and the next hour, and then uh, hopefully you're going to survive the day. And then you start, and and if you can do that, if you can assure your survival for the day, then you start planning. For the future right and then eventually uh if there's a possibility to be rescued you know you you, you have the bandwidth if you will to, to start doing that and so um tying that statement into what you just said about uh overcoming crises and, and everything else there as part of part of a realization of our the reality of the situation that we're in right now is the realization of the tremendous opportunities for growth that are being presented to us, so you know all growth comes with discomfort, and uh, most growth occurs in darkness, right? And so, in the dark times of our life, in the, in the uncomfortable times and painful times of our life, those, uh, in addition to being painful and uncomfortable and everything else, are also opportunities for growth. And I, I think if we can shift that, our mindset and and see this uh, as an opportunity for growth, as an opportunity to come through these crises stronger, more resilient. Uh, more unified uh, than ever before, both us as individuals and as a society uh, are going to be much, much better off. Um, I know you have something to say about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. So, you know, you kind of hit, and, I, and I'll just go over it. I, I've thought and, and written and, and developed a lot about what this psychological survival training self-rescue looks like. And, and I just want to hit the six six steps, Right. And you, you already hit the first four. The first one is, an accept the reality, right? What do I have, what do I need, how do I fix the difference? The second one is, take not what is, is inside of you and, and what resources that you have, okay? The, the third step is to move from, that's where the worry once comes in, move to a future orientation. If there's one word, it's next. Right? Next. I learned that for my year year I spent with the army. Move on. Next. And and so if you're thinking next, you're thinking forward, right? And then then planning an action, which we've covered a little bit. You start with a short plan. How am I going to get through the next 15 minutes? To how do I finish up the day? And how do I stock up for winter if uh, my heating goes out or whatever it is, right? But now here comes the here comes the the real growth opportunity, and uh, and hopefully this won't offend anybody on the podcast here. But back in in my military days, we used to have a phrase we said, "Embrace the suck." Right? I've got a better way to say it. It's it's savor the sacrifice. Right?
0: But what it so, means? So I
1: have a, my, my
0: guest next week on the podcast is a guy named John Foley, who's uh, the former uh, uh, lead solo for the Blue Angels, yeah. and his whole motto is uh, "Glad to be here." which is the same thing.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> you you're you're in this and it's not fun. Yeah. It's you're going to continue to be bombarded yeah. with problems and dark moods and dark people and and unknown uncertain things that we're not accustomed to dealing with. So so you just got to look at that as part of step 1, which is assess the reality and the reality yeah. is yeah. it sucks. Right. Yeah. You Can, I mean, if I could throw out one more,
0: one more slogan, because the one we used on, when things got really tough on the space station, the, the, the slogan that, we, that the crew and I used was, uh, we love this business. <laughs> and that was our cue. That was our signal that things are, right now, I am really having a hard time. Um, hey, how's it going? We love this business. No. That, that was the cue that, hey, I need some help.
1: <laughs> embrace it. And when I say embrace it, I'm not using that term lightly. I mean, recognize the the multitude of negative things around you for the opportunity that it is. Yeah. Right. right. And and that's, that's the key moment of shifting the mindset. If you let it weigh you down. And I'm not saying that it, occasionally it's not going to. I mean, we've all been through enough, at least when you get to be my age, you've been through a few personal crises that we've successfully navigated through. But when you look back at them, you know, it wasn't all oranges and um, in Cokes, it was, there were, there were times when I hung my head, there were times when I cried. There were times when I thought I couldn't take that next step, but they were temporary and I'd get back in the hole. If you can't get out of it, you got to get into it. No pity parties here. Not going to last very long. Cause that's, a, that's, that's a downward spiral. You'll never get out of Yeah, in a survival situation. Yeah. If you, if you allow yourself to stay in that depressed, frustrated, cynical, angry mood, it will kill you.
0: Yeah, you know another another motto that I use in those situations is, uh, and and, and uh, this is not mine. I, I barred this is uh, what's what's coming is going, right? So so all of these all this weight, all this t- terrible stuff that's happening to you, it's it's going, it's it's coming through you, but it's going away too. So
1: nothing lasts forever. That's right. Give me one thing in the world that lasts forever. You 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 really can't couldn't couldn't give me anything. You're right. If it's coming, it's going. And then the the final. Piece of embracing the suck or, or savoring the, the thing is realize there's some pains you must endure, but many pains you do not, right? One of the things they teach us in survival training, at least the version I went through, is don't hurt yourself, right? We used to get trained to, you know, we're basically taken prisoner of war and they'll come in and they'll hose you down with ice water And they'll tell you, you keep standing. You stand up, you're not allowed to sit. And if you sit or if you go to sleep, we're gonna come back, we're gonna hose you down again, right? And there were a lot of people that took that, that stood, right? And as soon as they'd leave, I'd think to myself, well, it's gonna be about 15 minutes till they get back. That's a 14 minute nap, (laughs) right? I would not punish myself. And that was something that was a training objective. Don't punish yourself. Don't allow this to allow you to, to beat yourself up for things that you did. Or did not do. Back to that future orientation. Think next.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I think in line with that is is don't worry about things you don't have control over because there's no point in it,
1: right? Right. A- absolutely. And and some pain you'll have to endure. You'll have to endure, but but minimize that by not creating pain on yourself or those around you, right? And then the last step, and this is very kind of kumbaya-ish, um, but I like the phrase and I'm going to keep it. It's grow new wings. You're going to develop skill sets, emotional control skill sets, rhetorical skill sets, if you're, if you're working with others, empathy, right? planning. Um, you're going to learn to do things physically that you've never done before, learn to live without things you've never l- lived without before. Those are magical growth opportunities. And so when you come out the other side, even of a small challenge within the bigger challenges, right, because we know this is gonna come in waves. This is gonna come at us in waves. When you come out, take stock, realize that I'm a different person now than I was coming in, I can do more, I can endure more, I have these skills, let's take a look out front and see what's coming at me next and start preparing for that. So that's the whole process of of psychological self rescue and and then of course the peer to peer piece. Ron, I see we got some more questions coming in or are they just comments?
0: let, let me, I'll get to that in a second. Let me, Let me. because uh, I, I don't, I, I want to pull on this thread just a little bit more um, because I think it's important. And one, one thing that I'll, I'll add to what you said, which I think was, was brilliant is uh, the power of gratitude uh, and being thankful. You know, if you, if you, if your goal is to survive for 15 minutes and you survive for 15 minutes because of whatever you found some water um, being grateful for that and, and being grateful for what we have uh, and, you know, being grateful for things that we've lost. <laughs> this yeah. is an opportunity to be grateful for things that we used to take, potentially uh, take advantage. Now, you've said uh, that you, 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 you're you're this uh, guy hiking through the through the mountains, and you're in you're an avalanche country. So you've said that you you sense the avalanche coming, and the avalanche is the the cumulative effect of of all uh, the mental health pressures uh, that are on society. Uh, some of which are being um, amplified through um political and cultural polarization um and that you know we're, we think things are, are going to get worse and so that's a pretty depressing outlook on the future so i want to i, I want to just um push on that a little bit because i want I, I mean let's say that there's somebody who's watching this right now and uh they've had enough you know we've been at this for you know a year uh, you know, maybe, maybe they have health issues because maybe they, they're, they're grieving because of, of loss. Uh, maybe they're in you know, dire financial straits. They don't know how they're going to pay the rent. You know, there's, there's all of these scenarios that could lead somebody to be at the end of their rope where they, where they have completely lost hope, especially when we talk about you know, the aftershocks of COVID-19 and, and the storm before the storm and, or storm after the storm and, and all those things. Can you speak to that person, and can you speak to that person, um, you know, from a survival point of view of what you would, what, you know, what would be your guidance, what would be your recommendation? Let's say you, let's say they're they're in this situation, and all they have is a radio, <laughs> and you're on the other end of the radio. What what would you say?
1: Yeah, so that that's a tough one. And um, yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot,
0: but we'll do it together. We'll Ron, do it together. And we'll do it with everybody who's watching.
1: Ron, I got this one, and this <laughs> um this is another um came from, from some mentor in my past, so I, I didn't make this up, but it came from somebody. The only decision that's ever final is the one that puts you in the grave, right? If, if you are still breathing, if you are still thinking, there are still things, there are still options available to you. And and I like to say, and this is probably anti-global perspective but I think you'll get it and, and, and you'll see how it ties in sometimes you simply have to shrink your world and what I mean by that is that you you could be terribly concerned about all the issues of the day right but if you don't have enough money to pay next month's rent and you're facing eviction and homelessness you you really don't have time to worry about that you've got to shrink your world into this survival mentality where where you prioritize what you're you're doing, you prioritize what you're thinking. And and even if your mobility is limited, even if you're suffering from a terminal disease, even if you're facing who knows what, and, and Ron, thank you for, for offering the question because I think it's a vitally important one. I, I believe that that inside all of us, we have a, a spark of determination that says kind of a, oh, yeah, all right, I'm on this. And, and despair is is one of the dragons, cynicism and fear are the other ones. But despair is the de- the final bite, right, of that dragon, three-headed dragon. They will pull you down. You've got to look at it straight in the eye and say, nope, I'm thankful for something here. I, I haven't made my last act on this earth, and I'm going to make my – if, if it turns out to be my last act, I'm facing the dragon, and fighting it down. Now that may sound very kumbaya-ish, but I'm telling you that in that moment of despair, where people are thinking, "Man, I just want out of here by whatever means, maybe even self-inflicted," right? That spark has to manifest itself. You look that dragon in the eye and you say, "My last decision on earth isn't going to be one of surrender. Right? I'm I'm going to take action and." that's that's where all of this comes in that that is the moment when you begin to apply psychological self rescue yeah hopefully, i think i think part of, oh, what's that i said hopefully you apply it before that moment right yeah. so you don't have to get in that situation but but at that moment there is still there is still an avenue
0: i, I think part of the aspect of shrinking i don't know if you said worldview but shrinking down your world uh, smaller part of that is letting go of the of the extra weight of the things that you don't have control over, right? And so, if you're in a position where, where you can help with world hunger, uh, you know, in in sub-Saharan Africa, then you sh- then you have a responsibility to do that. If you don't have that capability because you can't, you don't know where your next meal is coming from, then that's something that's beyond your control, and you need to focus on. On, and you know, I, I use this term, and I, and I I use it throughout uh, my new book, Floating in Darkness, called the Dolly Zoom right and you brought up another really good point that applies to dolly zoom and dolly zoom is a cinema cinema uh, a, a, an effect in cinematography where the camera is dolly back at the same rate um, that it's zoomed in right and it was used in, in jaws and psycho and a bunch of or not psycho uh, vertigo and a bunch of other uh, movies and it and it 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 warps the viewer's uh, perspective of reality it gives height to, and depth to to a scene but if we dolly zoom a situation, it means zooming out to the widest geographical uh, view perspective as possible, while also keeping the worm's eye details on the ground. And it also means uh, zooming out to the longest time frame, multi generational time frame, while not using, not losing the short term effects in, in that process. It's also looking at things at multiple perspectives, so that we can see the depth, so we can see, you know, in stereoscopic vision. Um, but part of what what relates to what you said is that's not a, a, a static thing. It's constantly zooming in and zooming out, right? So there are times in our lives where we need to be zoomed in and focusing on the worm's eye details on the ground, what's right in front of our face, surviving for the next 15 minutes, right? And there's times where we have the luxury to think multi-generational and zoom back out or think, think, on a planetary scale, not just, a, you know, a, a scale of my, you know, five foot radius around me. So all of that comes in, but it's not static. It's constantly changing. It's a, it's a dynamic situation.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll just bring this around to day-to-day life instead of talking about, you know, all this uh, stuff about tsunamis and earthquakes and avalanches and, and COVID-19. What Ron just described there, and I love the term Dolly Zoom, but, but I think most people that have done long, hard work, like writing books, right? You, you, everybody likes to say, I wanna write a book. Um, it, it's not a, and then I think, but I'm not smart enough. It, t- trust me, it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with thresholds of pain, person, yeah. right?
0: Says the guy with how many books?
1: <laughs> uh, nine, nine <laughs> and two on my laptop as we speak. Um, but but what that requires is, is that Dolly Zoom. You've got to think, like Stephen Covey taught us, you've got to begin with the end of mind. You've got to go out there and say, you know what the world needs right now? They need some really practical tools. And these, by the way, these survival skill tools, they're not intuitive. You have to learn, right? They're not. If you don't learn them, it's not like, well, I'll rise to the occasion. No, you won't. You will fall to the lowest level of your normal behavior under stress. That is just the fact. These are skills that have to be learned. But... But here's the. There's two types of people that fail to to do good work on a day to day basis. And Ron and I, you, we've have, we have seen them, and and we've probably been them at one time or another in our lives. Maybe not Ron, but certainly me. There's the kind that's always out on that global perspective. The world needs this, and so, you know, I'm going to keep thinking about it. I'm going to post on Facebook about it, and I'm going to do these things. But but they never pull into the pragmatic work action to move what they can actually do other than caring about it into day-to-day production. Right. So you you have to go back and forth because if you stay in the day-to-day production, you you burn out, and you lose the big picture of why you're doing it in the first place. You just end up with lots of words and you go, this book's no good, you throw it away. Right. If you're always zoomed out there, you never, you're, you're always in outline mode, right? You never get down to the work of it. Right. So that's an exactly. art run that you just described, the the ability to come in and out at whatever ratio keeps you focused and motivated, and and caring and moving forward. I think that's not just a a, uh, a self rescue skill. I think that's a that's a damn good life skill.
0: Yeah. Well, Tony, I knew that one hour was not going to be enough for us to, <laughs> to have this conversation because we 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 just scratched the surface. I think of of what we need to talk about. So. Um, I think we need to. If, if you're up for it, I think we need to res- schedule another episode. We are going to have uh, Tony and I are going to uh, record uh, another session uh, um, as we finish up here, and we're going to go a lot deeper into a lot of this. But um, and that's that that will be available uh, in the future. But uh, as far as a, a live a, a live version, again, I think we need. I think we need to have another one, and 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 you know maybe spend ten minutes just. You know on the overview of what we talked about here and then and then go a lot deeper but tony before we go can you tell folks how how they can get a hold of you um can you t- maybe just to speak to speak about uh, your company and, and what you do
1: sure yeah we uh my company does what anything that has to do with human reliability and human performance from the individual to the largest organizations we've been around for um, almost 20 years um it's easy to reach me it's just my first name tony at my company name, convergentperformance.com. All one, we put it all one word and just .com. So on Ron's uh, intro slide, it's got the name of my company, Convergent Performance. And I'd love to hear from you because I, I, I promise you, I haven't had an original thought in my life. Um, I, I gain my energy and, and I give my gratitude for interacting with people who um, become passionate about these topics or any topic. Uh, I like to think of myself as a lateral learner, which means, uh, you know, I'm not an engineer like Ron. I'm a, I'm a historian and a political scientist with a little bit of education uh, psychology thrown into it. I'm, I'm more of a generalist than a specialist. And so I, I like to learn from, from everything, from watching a, um, a colony of ants running around on the ground here in southern Texas. I'll sit and take notes and go, I wonder how the hell they do that. Um, to interacting with folks like you that have different ideas, different perspectives. And so please do reach out and contact me. It's just Tony at ConvergentPerformance.com, and I get back to everybody. It might take me a little while, but uh, but I never um, neglect a, an input, even if it's negative, maybe even especially if it's negative, because I learn more from them. So with that, Ron, I'll toss it back. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, Tony, thank you so much. Thank you for, for sharing uh, everything. And again, I, I said this before. Uh, I think the key takeaway that we, uh, that I'll, you know, dissolve an hour, over an hour conversation down to is um, the need to practice self-rescue, uh, which hopefully will enable us all to practice peer rescue. And and inherent or implicit in that statement is we're all in this together. Uh, and so not only do we need to be thinking about, you know, how how can I, that, that, that I'm not going to get rescued. I need to rescue myself. I need to enact self-rescue. I, we also need to be looking around, you know, looking at our neighbors, looking at our friends, looking at our family members, looking at our, our coworkers, and look for those telltale signs that they're struggling. Uh, we are all in this together. Uh, and it, it's important that we, that we carry each other and we watch out for each other. And, uh, and uh, thank you, Tony, for, for giving us some of the tools to, to do just that.
1: Can I say one more thing, Ron? You bet. Uh, and I uh, and, uh, will keep this short. I am not in the business of throwing out a generalized idea and, and hoping you can, you can sniff your way like a bloodhound to the end of this. So if, if you are interested, there's, there's a whole world of interest right now around the topic of psychological safety. And you can find scores, dozens scores, probably hundreds of people that can talk to you about that. This is something uniquely different. And and we do have paths to be able to develop this kinds of skills, and and this isn't a, a marketing pitch at all. It's a it's a pitch to to do exactly what Ron and I have talking about. If you can contact us uh, or myself at that email, and I see Shay put it up there, Tony at ConvergentPerformance.com in the comments. Um, we have programs, we have self study materials, we have a lot of things that we can we can move the ball down the court for you so to speak so so with that now I'll shut up around and okay
0: and, and maybe we could put some of those resources in the comments here and and this conversation doesn't end when we when we hit the end broadcast button uh, keep the conversation going through the comments both on YouTube and and on Facebook and uh, uh, we will we will keep keep engaging on that like I said we're, we, we are we are all in this together uh, and with that, Uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the great comments and questions. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. And uh, thanks for joining us uh, from this conversation uh, from the orbital perspective. And with that, we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the orbital perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful
1: as it looks from space.